and welcome to the program. Today's topic, the Cash Landrum case. And we find this case over on MUFON, actually, MUFON.com. And the article's titled, Cash Landrum Case, 1980. Starts off, it says, the Cash Landrum incident was, re- was a reported unidentified flying object sighting from the United States in 1980, which witnessed witnesses insist was responsible for damage to their health. It is one of very few UFO cases to result in civil court proceedings. It can be classified as a close encounter of the second kind due to its reported physical effects on the witnesses and their automobile. And then it goes on and says, incident. Skeptical UFOlogist Peter Brooksmith wrote, okay, one second please, I don't really care about the skeptics, so we're going to skip that first paragraph and go on to the second paragraph. On the evening of December 29, 1980, Betty Cash, Vicki Landrum, and Colby Landrum, Vicki's seven-year-old grandson, were driving home to Dayton, Texas, and Cash's Oldsmobile Cutlass after dining out. At about 9 p.m., while driving on an isolated two-lane road in dense woods, The witnesses said they observed a light above some trees. They initially thought the light was an airplane approaching Houston Intercontinental Airport about 35 miles away and gave little notice. A few minutes later on the winding roads, the witnesses saw what they believed to be the same light as before, but it was now much closer and very bright. The light they claimed came from a huge diamond-shaped object which hovered at about treetop level. The object's base was expelling flame and emitting significant heat. And you can imagine these guys driving along this basically lonely two-lane highway, these two women with a little boy in the back seat, and they look out the front window and they see this diamond-shaped UFO. Now, by diamond-shaped, they basically mean it looks like two connected pyramids, basically, with one pyramid pointing down and one pyramid pointing up. And if you've seen videos where they've recreated this, you can see that this large diamond-shaped uh, UFO, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 feet tall by 30, 40, 50 feet wide, and it looks like it almost has like a row of windows around the edges of it, so it's depicted in some of the videos that have been done of it. But this thing is emitting an awful lot of light. As they get closer, they see that it's obviously not an airplane because it's just hoovering still there above the road. And not only that, but this UFO has flames coming down under it. Almost like um, almost like from a gas burner or something. They're just shooting out the bottom of this thing. Now whether that's just some kind of uh, gases are burning off as it's, as it's hoovering there, or if this is part of the propulsion system, we don't really know, but here this thing is. It's suspended at treetop level, so that's pretty cl- that's pretty low in the sky when they see it. Now it goes on. It says Vicky Landrum told Cash to stop the car, fearing they would be burned if they approached any closer. So that tells me this thing was awfully close. If they were afraid that if they got any closer, they, they, they would be burned. So basically, they're driving along the highway, and this thing is right there above the highway. It's blocking. It's, it's blocking uh, their path. However, Vicky's opinion of the object quickly... It says, fearing they be burned. However, Vicky's opinion of the object quickly changed. 
It says a born-again Christian, she interpreted the object as a sign of the second coming of Jesus Christ, telling her grandson, that's Jesus, he will not hurt us. Now, in a lot of the articles you read about this, they emphasize the fact that this woman was a Christian, and so, in her mind, she just assumed that this thing was a godly thing. I have to wonder sometimes if these UFOs aren't actually exerting mind control on people. And maybe the reason that she... Um, that, that she started to think this thing had some kind of religious significance is because that was the first thought that popped in her, her head that would cause her to drop her guard. Of course, it becomes pretty clear later on in the sighting this thing, this thing certainly didn't have any uh, benign intentions toward them. It didn't even care about them. So this was not the second coming of Jesus. This was, this was a UFO that was, uh, that was expelling high temperatures and flames and it didn't show any concern whatsoever about the people who happened to be driving underneath of it, as we'll find out. goes on and says, Anxious, Cash considered turning the car around, but abandoned this idea because the road was too narrow, and she presumed the car would get stuck on the dirt shoulders, which were soft from the evening's rains. Cash and Landrum got out of the car to examine the object. Colby was terrified, however, and Vicki Landrum quickly returned to the car to comfort the frantic child. Cash remained outside the car, mesmerized by the bizarre sight, as Jerome Clark wrote. He went on, The object, intensely bright and a dull metallic silver, was shaped like a huge upright diamond about the size of the Dayton water tower, with its top and bottom cut off, so that they were flat rather than pointed. Small blue lights ringed the center, and periodically, over the next few minutes, a flame shot out from the bottom, flaring outward, creating the effect of a large cone. Now, if you watch some of the videos on this, it actually presents the UFO as having a, a sharply pointed uh, diamond shape on both ends. But here they're saying that the ends were cut off and flat. That's interesting. Every time the fire dissipated, the UFO floated a few feet, <clears throat> a few feet downwards toward the road, but when the flames blasted out again, the object rose about the same distance. The witnesses and the, the witnesses said the heat was strong enough to make the car's metal body painful to the touch. Cash said she had to use her coat to protect her hand from being burnt when she finally re-entered the car. When she touched the car's dashboard, Vicky Landrum's hand pressed into the into the softened vinyl leaving an imprint that was evident weeks later. Investigators cited this handprint as proof of the witness's account. However, no photograph of the alleged handprints exists. Now, even though this was 1980 and we didn't have cell phones, it would have been super helpful if they, got, if they could have got a picture of that handprint and done some more tests on that vinyl. The article goes on, The object then moved to a point higher in the sky as it ascended over the treetops, the witnesses claim that a group of helicopters approached the object and surrounded it in tight formation. Cash and Landrum counted 23 helicopters and later identified some of them as tandem rotor CH, CH-47 Chinooks used by military forces worldwide. Now, that does make sense as they were near uh, a, a military base. There could be the possibility that this thing had been had been spotted by the military and they were going there to investigate, or possibly it was one of our own, and they were simply escorting this thing back onto the base. It's really hard to say. 
With the road now clear, Cash drove on, claiming to see glimpses of the object and the helicopters receding into the distance. From first sighting the object to its departure, the witnesses said the encounter lasted about 20 minutes. Based on the description given in John F. Schuessler's books about the incident, it appears that the observers were southbound on Texas State Highway FM 1485-2100. When they claimed to have seen the object, the initial location of the, of the reported object, based on the same descriptions, was just south of Inland Road, approximately at 30.0926 degrees north 95 and 1109 degrees west. Other witness, other witness investigators later located a Dayton police officer, Detective Lamar Walker, and his wife, who claimed to have seen 12 Chinook-type helicopters near the same area the Cash Landrum event allegedly occurred, and at roughly the same time. These other witnesses did not report seeing a large diamond-shaped object. One day in April 1981, a Chinook... CH-47 flew into Dayton. As Colby watched, he became very upset. Vicky decided to take him to the spot where the helicopter had landed, and with the hope that it would seem less frightening on the ground. When they reached the landing zone, they found a lot of people there already and had to wait some time before they were allowed to go inside the helicopter and talk to the pilot. Vicky and another visitor both claimed that the pilot said he had been in the area before for the purpose of checking on a UFO in trouble near Huffman. When Vicky told the pilot how glad she was to see him because she had been one of the people burned by the UFOs, he refused to talk to them further and hustled them out of the aircraft. Now that episode there just sounds sketchy to me. Uh, you know, I don't know. It would be interesting to get a comment from the boy, because I believe he's still alive, but uh, the grandma, I, from what I have read, passed on back in, I don't know, the late 90s or something. But here she's saying that they saw this, they saw this uh, Chinook helicopter and they followed it to the landing zone. I don't get that because, you know, we all see these National Guard or Army helicopters flying over. Usually they're going to a base somewhere. And the notion that you could just follow this thing out to the countryside and watch it land and there would be a whole bunch of people there. That, that just seems totally unbelievable to me. I could be wrong, but that just seems so crazy that they, that they would even let you near this thing. Now, I realize it was 1980. And then she says that she got on the helicopter, and they talked to the pilot, and he admitted that he had been part of this group that had been uh, sent there to escort this UFO that was in distress. Man, that just sounds out of this world. Now... For me to believe that, I would have to have some cooperating witnesses to go along with it because that just seems that just seems beyond belief to me. But that's just me. Now the article goes on. It says health problems after the UFO and helicopters left. Cash took the Landrums home, then retired for the evening. That night, they all experienced similar symptoms, though Cash to a greater degree. All suffered from nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, generalized generalized weakness a burning sensation in their eyes, and feeling as though they suffered sunburns. Over the next few days, Cash's symptoms worsened, with many large painful blisters forming on her skin. When taken to a hospital emergency room on January 3, 1981, Clark writes, Cash could not walk and had lost large patches of skin 
and clumps of hair. She was released 12 days after 12 days, though her condition was not much better, and she later returned to the hospital for another 15 days. The Landers' health was also was somewhat better, though both suffered from lingering weaknesses, skin sores, and hair loss. A radiologist who examined the witness's medical records from MUFON wrote, We have strong evidence that these patients have suffered secondary damage to ionizing radi radiation. It is also possible that there was an infrared or ultraviolet component as well. However, Brad Sparks contends that although the symptoms were somewhat similar to those caused by ionizing radiation, the rapidity of onset was only consistent with a massive dose that would have met certain death in a few days. Since all of the victims lived for years after the incident, Sparks suggests that some of the symptoms was some kind of chemical contamination, presumably by an aerosol. The article continues. Investigation Vicky investigations, Vicki Landrum telephoned a number of U.S. government agencies and officials about the encounter. When she telephoned NASA, Landrum was steered toward NASA aerospace engineer John Schuessler, long interested in UFOs. With some associates from UFO research group MUFON, Schuessler began research on the case and later wrote articles and a book on the subject. Astronomer Alan Hendry of KUFOS also briefly investigated the Cash Landrum case. Due to the Chinook helicopter's presence, the witnesses presumed that at least one branch of the United States Armed Forces witnessed the object if they were escorting or pursuing it. However, investigators could find no evidence linking the helicopters with any branch of the military. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, even though we have multiple witnesses that saw these uh, Chinook helicopters, and we have three witnesses that saw them escorting the UFO, I wouldn't exactly expect the U.S. government to, to, to take responsibility there. Now, the article goes on and says, In, 1860, in 1982, Lieutenant Colonel George Saran of the Department of Army Inspector General began the only thorough formal governmental investigation into the supposed UFO encounter. He could not find any evidence that the helicopters the witnesses claimed to have seen belonged to the U.S. Armed Forces. Saran stated that Ms. That Ms. Landrum and Ms. Cash were credible, the policeman and his wife, who claimed to have seen 12 helicopters near the UFO encounter site, were also credible witnesses. There, were no, there was no percep perception that anyone was trying to exaggerate the truth. In 1998, journalists and UFO skeptical class... Okay, well, I'm not going to cover the, the skeptics because they really don't add anything um, to the case. But we can go on here and see that... Um, other researchers did examine the case. It says here, other UFO researchers point out that high-energy ionizing radiation of the kind that can cause damage to human beings does not induce radioactivity in objects and would not have left behind any residual radioactivity in the area. So what happened was, even though these three witnesses that had the close encounter with the UFO all exhibited what appeared to be signs of radiation poisoning, when they went back and measured the vehicle they were in, when they went back to the site where the UFO encounter took place, there was uh, no, no out-of-balance uh, radiation going on there. So some skeptics have used that fact um, to try to debunk the encounter. Other researchers point out, though, that there are types of high-energy ionizing radiation that would affect the, the people, the organic stuff around them, but not 
leave traces, you know, after the fact. And that and that would seem to make sense to me. Now, it's also important to point out here, one of the interesting things about this case is, and what to me makes the witnesses pretty credible as far as the encounter goes, is that legal, as it says here, legal action eventually. It says, Cash and Landrum contacted their U.S. Senators Lloyd Benson and John Tower, who suggested that the witnesses file a complaint with the Judge Advocate Claims Office at Brookstrom Air Force Base. You know, that is interesting to me that these two that these two senators, Benson and Tower, told them to file a complaint with the government, Brookston Air Force Base. I mean, why would, why would they just... They must have took them serious to some degree, because otherwise it would have just told them, hey, you know, we haven't got time to talk to you. But this thing did go to court. It says that... Um, in August 2000, in August 1981, Cash and Lander McColby were interviewed at length by personnel at Brookstrom Air Force Base, and were told that they should hire a lawyer and seek compensation for their injuries. So they're moving up the, they're moving up the chain of authority here. They're going to their state, they're going to their state senator, to their uh, senators, and then they go up to the Air Force Base, and then the Air Force Base tells them to hire a lawyer. So it almost seems as if the people that are in authority are taking the case seriously. It says, with attorney Peter Gersten taking on the case, so they actually found a lawyer to take on this case, pro bono. So the lawyer took the case on free of charge. The case wound its way through the U.S. courts for several years. Cash and Landrum sued the U.S. government for $20 million. In August, on August 21, 1986, a U.S. District Court judge dismissed their case, noting that the plaintiffs had not proved that the helicopters were associated with the U.S. government and the military officials had testified that the United States Armed Forces did not have a large diamond-shaped aircraft in their possession. It goes on, it says, Media coverage. The incident received coverage in both the tabloid press and mainstream media. In 1981, Vicki Landrum appeared on That's Incredible, a popular ABC television program. Vicki was hypnotized in front of a studio audience. Under hypnosis, she recounted the UFO incident. Vicki Landrum and Betty Cash both appeared on the 1989 U.S. Tele- television special UFO Cover-Up Live, hosted by Mike Farrell. They related their account of the UFO encounter and the subsequent medical problems and legal battles. The Cash Landrum event was also depicted on the television program Unsolved Mysteries and Sightings in 2009. Colby Landrum appeared on UFO Hunters and Alien Fallout. goes on, it says, Years later, coincidentally, Betty Cash died at the age of 71 on December 29, 1998, exactly 18 years after her claimed close encounter. Vicki Landrum died September 12, 2008. 2007, seven days before her 84th birthday. There's a, just a fascinating account, the Cash Landrum account. These two ladies and the grandson of Mrs. Landrum driving along the highway back in 1980 on this lonely two-lane black, blacktop in in uh, Texas, out in the middle of the, the, the pines there, the heavily timbered area. They see this diamond-shaped... Uh, UFO, the size of a water tower, basically. It's uh, emitting lights and flames, blocking the path that they're trying to go down. They get out to look at this thing just to take it in, 
at first they think that they're having some sort of, at least the one gal thinks she's having some sort of sign from God or some sort of religious experience, and they quickly find out that this UFO has no interest in their well-being as it starts to blast these flames out and uh, basically radiates both of them, it seems like, and burns them pretty good. Gets the car, the car gets so hot they can't touch the door handle. And then the next thing you know, these 23 Chinook helicopters show up. We have multiple witnesses of those. The story gets a little bit stranger when Ms. Landrum claims that she tracks a Chinook helicopter to a nearby field where it lands at and has a conversation with the pilot that admits he was part of a group that was escorting a uh, distressed UFO. And finally, they take the whole thing to court. It goes through the court system for several years. A lawyer takes the case on pro bono. They're trying to get $20 million out of the government to pay for their injuries. Of course, that doesn't work out. Now both ladies have passed away. I didn't find anything about the boy that and that was involved in the whole thing. It would certainly be interesting to talk to him today and, and see what he has to say about it all these years later. But that's the Cash Landrum UFO Close Encounter. Fascinating stuff. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. Thank you.